Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning. morning. Peace and greetings. Good to see you this morning. Amen. I'm glad to see everybody that came out. I know it's the holiday weekend. I'm glad to see all these faces. Good morning, Kalem. Good morning to all the guests. And if this is your first time, the doors are always open. So you can come back whenever you like. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Amen. I'm so happy to see you. And before I even get started, let me just say thanks to Pastor Dwayne and the whole Wright family for allowing me to speak on this Sunday morning. He could have chose someone else to speak, but he chose me this morning and I don't take that lightly. So I just thank the whole family that you're all here. And continue to keep Pastor Dwayne in your prayers. Amen. He's still in Africa doing God's work. And also like to thank my wife, yes. Angel, Dr. Angel. Yes. As I was preparing for this, she was she's helping me out. You gotta have a uh, it's good to have a praying wife. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so yeah, Ed, I'm just glad that everyone's here today. And I know it's holiday weekend. This might be your last weekend for your barbecue or your pool or your beach. I'm glad you came out this morning. For the past month, I know y'all been aware, the past month we've been talking about Jonah. And each week, someone someone will come up here and speak about Jonah. As I was studying this, I was like, wow, each book, each uh, chapter in the book of Jonah, you can actually spend a whole month breaking it down. There's just so much, there's so much in it that I never realized. And as I was preparing to do this, I realized this is a little bit more special. You know, it's a little bit more personal. My youngest son, Cortez, the story of Jonah happens to be his favorite book in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Now that may be because he's, we got the children's Bible and it got all the pictures. And mm-hmm. so he likes seeing Jonah falling off the boat and then going into the well and all that action. But, but it's good. He likes that. So I was like, cool, that's what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. So, in, so today I just want to let y'all know that as I uh, deliver this message, we're going to um, grow in Christ. And I encourage you to not remain stuck or stagnant where you are. Amen. Amen. At the end of this message, you'll be able to grow from that. And wherever you are, you feel stuck or going the wrong way, uh, you'll be able to correct that through this message and carry it on with you throughout your life. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. I thank you for your people. And I pray that your spirit moves, Father God, through this sanctuary. Let it touch the hearts of the people here and the people listening, Father. And I pray, Father God, that you give me the tongue like a pen of a ready writer. Allow me to have total recall of what you want me to deliver to your people. Let your word be heard through my voice. Allow me to to speak and utter what you will have me to say to your people, Father. Let the ears be open and their hearts be open to receive this message, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I'm using some technology this morning. I have my Bible on the, you know, electronics, so I'm not just up here winging it. So, but okay. So listen to this. Before I even get started, is everybody comfortable? Your seats are comfortable. They're nice and soft, and everybody's fine. Tim, everyone. I got actually that question. I said I grew up in a church where we had wooden pews, and no cushion. It was just straight wooden pews. And on top of that, it was a Baptist church, so we got to 10 o'clock in the morning, wouldn't leave till like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and then that's the uh, 
pastors decide to say, oh, altar call. It's like, you've been here for three, four hours already, now you're going to do the altar call and just sitting on those hard pews. It's like, but so make sure everyone's comfortable. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable, right? I like being comfortable. Like, even when I get into a car, and you get into your car, and you get into the driver's seat, and you sit down in it, you adjust the seat, so you write from the steering wheel. And if you from you grew up in the time I grew up in, I don't know why we do this, but we always like to get the gangster lean back. <laughs> I can't do it that much anymore because I got children, but it's comfortable for me, and as long as I can reach the radio, I'm good. Being comfortable in the car, right? Nothing wrong with that. And it's okay to have a comfortable marriage, a comfortable home. Uh-huh. Being around people that's comfortable, that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with that. That's cool. But <laughs> what about your bed? Right? Your bed, your bed should be comfortable. Yeah. But if it's too comfortable, it can remain, you can remain stuck. Mm. Listen to this. I don't know what it is, but sometimes you're up at night, you're tossing and turning, you can't get to sleep. But as soon as you got to get up in the morning, that's when your bed is the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Knowing you got to get up, and if you don't want to get up, you keep hitting the snooze button. Or you just don't get up at all, and now, now you're either late for work or late for school, or you just stay in the bed because it's just too comfortable. Or even on your couch. Sometimes, how many of us have said, okay, I got something to do. Let me just sit down on the couch for a minute, and then I'll do what I have to do. Three, four hours later, <laughs> you're still sitting on the couch because you got comfortable there. And it's the same situation can happen um, even like uh, you go to someone's house. They say, oh, make yourself at home. But you can't get too comfortable. You just can't just go up in their refrigerator or go up in their bedroom and try taking that. So you got to there's different levels to this comfort. Now, here's the thing, too. There was a couple years ago. Well, I don't want to date myself. But a couple years ago, some years ago, you used to have these T-shirts, right? And these T-shirts used to say, Jesus is my homeboy. Y'all remember those t-shirts you seen those? I never liked those t-shirts because I didn't like the message. I understood they were trying to make Jesus cool and hip and everything, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Jesus is my homeboy. No, because the stuff I do with my homeboys, Jesus wouldn't approve of. (laughs) So I never really liked that. And that's the problem today is we try to take God and make him bring him down to our level. Don't ever get too comfortable with God. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's your Lord and Savior. You got to keep that in mind. And so, but, so that's why I never liked that. But anyway, so that's what happens when you get too comfortable. And there's also a level of, of a discomfort because discomfort can alert us to something that is wrong or not right or can indicate to us something we don't like. If it's too uncomfortable, you either move or you make a change. Is everybody with me? Yeah, yeah. There's different levels to this. You seeing this? So just look at somebody this morning. It ain't got to be your neighbor, but if you look at somebody, just ask them one simple question. What's your comfort level? Yeah. That's what we're going to, we're going to take it there this morning. See, the reason why I asked what's your comfort level is because while I was studying the book of Jonah, I came to realize there are a lot of comfortable and uncomfortable situations which drove Jonah's response to God. It's throughout the whole book. Sometimes we respond to life depending on our comfort level. And sometimes we respond to God depending on our comfort level. And sometimes we, do, we respond to sticker shock depending on our comfort level. So what's your comfort level? It's a rhetorical question. I don't have to answer right now. 
So yeah, let's get into this, all right? Um, earlier, like I said, um, Minister Kevin, he preached on chapter one. Pastor Dwayne preached on chapter two. Mr. Cleve preached on chapter three. I'm anchor it today. Speak on chapter four. Man, so let's open up to. Oh, yeah, cool. So look, Jonah four, and uh, one and three. When you get to Jonah four, verse one is shout, Amen, Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. All right, let's write that down. That's what this says. But it just, I'm speaking out of an ESV. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. Better for me to die than to live. So even before Notorious B.I.G. made his album, <laughs> Jonah was already, already saying, I'm ready to die. Yeah. Mm. How did we get to this point? How did Jonah get to that point where he was angry and ready to die? So what, what, what's going on here? So in order to figure that out, I got to review chapters 1, 2, and 3. So you can understand how we got to this point where he's angry and frustrated and wants to die, right? So as I'm reviewing real quick, I'm not going to go through. I'm just going to give you the ESPN highlight of it, okay? If you want to get into details about them, go back and look at the sermons from Mr. Kevin, Pastor Dwayne, and Mr. Cleve. They break down those details in those books, you know, so you want to get more, more into it. So I'm just going to give you the run through because all these dots connect, okay? All right, so here, here listen to this. <clears throat> in chapter 1, Jonah was comfortable with three actions. I'm talking about comfort levels here. He was comfortable with three actions in chapter one. He was comfortable with, he denied his calling because he didn't want to, he was a prophet who didn't want to prophesy. Jesus. He disobeyed. Instead of going to, to Nineveh, he went to uh, Tarshish. And he diverted from away from God. He turned his back on God and went to Tarshish. See, because he could have just said, no, I'm not going, but. He actually turned his back to God. Those, those three things caught him in, put him in a dire straits, put him in a, a bad situation. But he was comfortable with it. How you know he was comfortable with it? I'll tell you how I know he was comfortable with it. Because there was no second thoughts, there was no hesitation. He didn't uh, ask other people, he didn't consult other people about what he should do. He just did it. Like, I'm, I'm going to make this decision on my own and I'm going to do it. So being real comfortable with that, that's what put him in this bad situation, led to his downfall. He was comfortable in his actions. Like I said, no second thoughts or hesitation. So here's the point that you can take from this. Being comfortable with things that go against God will put you in a bad situation. What's his bad situation? He wound up in the fish. All right, let's go look at this. Now we come to chapter two. Chapter two, he was uncomfortable. Right, that speaks for itself, right? Because he was in the belly of the fish. A little bit of biology 101. The belly of the fish. First of all, it's cramped, it's wet, salt water. It's probably got other fish food and fish particles in there. There's a digestive juices in there. 
digestive gases in there, filled with methane. And truth be told, he probably wasn't just sitting down in a recliner. Remember, he, he's an official. His body was probably contorted. He might have had a leg here, an arm there. He could have been in a fetal position. He may have been in vertigo upside down. And it was, it was dark in there. And it was hot. The late, great lyrical prophet DMX was reading this when he made his album, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Because he was going through his own things, too. So here's where, where this is where Jonah is. Very uncomfortable. And it was so uncomfortable and so unbearable that he thought he was in a place called Sheol. What's Sheol? I'm going to explain to you what Sheol is. During those times, Sheol was a place of still darkness, an underworld after death. That's what people believe they thought you went to after you died. That's where he thought he was at. Also, this is where that term belly of the beast comes from. Mm -hmm. Okay, belly of the beast comes from this because it's being in the worst environment or the worst place and you're trapped there. And this is how sometimes we get those, the terms in, in the jail, the prison, the penitentiary, they call it the belly of the beast. Especially if you got there on that prison yard, belly of the beast. This is all this comes from, being in the worst place, in the worst environment, and being trapped there. Mm -hmm. Okay, you still with me? Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> as I was studying this, it made more clearly to me why about the movie Belly. Mm -hmm. Y'all saw Belly? Yes. Oh, 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 see, I saw Belly. Okay. If you haven't seen it, wait for it to come on BET. I don't want to be up here promoting bad stuff. <laughs> but the movie Belly, and I first heard the, the title of it, I'm thinking, okay, Belly must be the... Uh, the underworld of crime. Reading this, you know, it gets deeper. This is just how I think, okay? This is how I think about the belly because I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is their situation. Let me quickly explain to you about this, about this movie. It relates to this, okay? So there's all these two best friends, right? And they weren't, <clears throat> they weren't the, you know, the lawful abiding citizens. It was, it was robbing and stealing, shooting and killing, messing with young women, became assassins and hitmen, and still drug dealing. But they weren't swallowed up by a fish, they were swallowed up by the streets. And they were so swallowed up by the streets, they got to a point where it became uncomfortable for them. So uncomfortable that one of them packed up his family and went to Africa. He said, I gotta get off these streets. For the other one, it became so uncomfortable that the minister he was sent to assassin, he allowed that minister to pour into him. And when that minister poured into him, it freed him from that street mentality, and I believe it freed his spirit. So that's how uncomfortable things got, even in the streets. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, that's not me. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the belly of this. I haven't been swallowed by these streets or by a fish. No, maybe not, but maybe you were swallowed up by pride or greed or gossip or lies or bad relationships, or a poverty mentality, depression, drugs, alcohol, the desires of the flesh, or even worrying. You get swallowed up by these things. You put yourself in your own personal show, in your own personal belly, and you get swallowed up by that. All right, so, but listen, this is what Jonah did. Jonah did five things when he became uncomfortable in the belly. It's the next point. He did five things. First thing he did was he, he recognized See, that's the problem right there. Some of us don't recognize where we're, uh, where we're at. We become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we get used to it and we uh, make excuses for it. Because we, we don't even know we're there. We don't even know 
that we hit rock bottom or we're not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. There was a young lady and she was in a chess relationships, you know, you know, dating and stuff. But each one was kind of, I want to say like abusive, like either verbal abusive or physical abusive at the boyfriend, at the boyfriend. And then she hooked up with a brother who, um, who didn't do that. When they argued, he didn't hit her. He didn't yell at her or, you know, verbally attack her. And she couldn't see it. And she was just like, oh, he must be soft. He must be weak. Because she had got so comfortable to being in bad relationships. And she made it, you know, that's, she was comfortable in her mess and couldn't see the better, the better side of it. Sometimes we do that within our lives. We just, whatever lot comes my way, this is my lot. And then you accept it and now you're stuck there. You got to recognize where you are. The second thing he did was he remembered. He remembered the Lord. He remembered the Lord in chapter two. He remembered um, as he started praying, he remembered God. And then the third thing he did, he reached out. He prayed to him. As he prayed to him, next thing he did after that was he repented. How do you know he repented, Brother Frank? I'll tell you how I know. Because in uh, chapter two, verse nine, he said, but with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So he was repenting, and at that time, he refused to give up. Oh, the fifth thing was he refused to give up because he said, uh, what I have vowed, I will pay. So he's going to continue to do what God told him to do in the first place. It's all making sense to everybody? Okay. All right. So those are the five things. He recognized, remembered, reached out, repented, and refused to give up. All I want to let you know, don't get comfortable in your mess. <laughs> so he did the prayer. Now, after the prayer, God spoke to the fish, and the fish spit him out. And that brings us to chapter 3. It says, fish spit him out onto dry land. Now he's on dry land, and he's comfortable again. Because he's on dry land. Don't overlook this, because the fish could have just spit him out, and he could have still been in the sea. And he had to swim back, you know, fighting sharks and the current and the tide and all that. No, 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 no. Fish spit him out on dry land. Now, this is, this is deep. You got you to gotta see this. got to see this. You're getting a little excited, but you got to see this. This is so significant about him being spit out on dry land. Call me to Genesis 8. Uh, yeah, Genesis 8, verse 8. I got to read this to you so this all makes sense. Amen? Amen. Look at this. All right, Genesis 8, 8. Talk about Noah. Then he sent forth the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. For he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth a dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dry from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then verse 16, God said, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. All right, brother, where are we going with this? The dove, right? The dove. 
Mr. Kevin told us a couple weeks ago that Jonah's name means dove. Doves were messengers of peace. So, Noah and his family were not allowed to emerge from the ark until the dove came back and let them know that the ground was dry. The fish was not allowed to spit Jonah out onto dry land until there was dry land there for him. So what am I saying is, when you're in a situation and God gets you out of that situation, he's going to set you up to succeed, yes. not to fail. Amen. Put him up on the dry land. Amen. Now, this is where it gets deeper. He's on the dry land, right? But he didn't get comfortable there. That's what some of us, that's what we miss it. We get too comfortable when we sit on the dry land. We're just, okay, you saved me from this predicament, God. Now I'm just, this is what I'm doing. Just, nothing's happening. You're just sitting there, being too comfortable, stuck on the dry land. And this is how some Christians wind up being dry, crusty, and boring because they're just sitting there not doing anything. Listen, you... I gotta let you know right now, <laughs> you gotta get up, get out, and do something. Right. Okay. Okay. You have to. This is what, this is what uh, Jonah did. He didn't just stay on the dry land, he had an assignment to fulfill. He had a calling to fulfill. And I'll let you know right now that your calling is not always behind the pulpit. It's not always behind the pulpit. Your calling could be a teacher, it could be a coach, an entrepreneur, or a factory worker. Yeah. It could even be a parent or a spouse. Listen, I've read the articles. I don't know the exact, exact numbers, but I've read the article saying, what would it say? It said, marriages are down 15% over the past 10 years, something like that, because people don't believe in marriages. But if you're called to be a great husband and wife, people need to see that. They need to see godly marriages or see godly teachers or godly coaches. or Even on your job, people need to see you working in a godly fashion, coming to work on time, yeah. doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, you're not laughing at all the bad jokes and all those things. Then people need to see that. Yeah. So if you're called to do it, do it. Yeah. You understand? So, <clears throat> so Jonah had a calling to fulfill that he was originally uncomfortable with. Maybe he didn't want to talk to the Ninevites, yeah. the enemies. You know, okay? mm-hmm. He didn't want to talk to them. But he had to step out of his own comfort zone. He had to step out of his own comfort zone. And uh, some of us are so dry and emotionless, we don't step out of our comfort zone. And we just stay stuck there in the comfort zone. You have to step out of there, especially if God called you to it. Amen? Now hold up. Let me, let me qualify that. Stepping out of your comfort zone, just make sure it lines up with the scriptures. Okay? Don't tell me you're trying to step out of your comfort zone because you, you're working in the pharmacy department at Walgreens, or at Comcast, or, or Comcast, or at um, what's that? Uh, CVS or BJ's, and you say, "Oh, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone and make more money." So you leave BJ's pharmacy to go to the PJ Street Pharmacy to make more money. No, that's do not. That's not the comfort zone you you want to step out of because it does line up with the scriptures. A lot of people they do step out of their comfort zone, but if it doesn't line up with the scriptures, now they're in a bigger problem. And then they want to start complaining to God. But no, you. That didn't line up with the word. Okay. So that's what he did. So we stepped out. And, oh, look, I'll tell you this, too. So now Jonah's about to go on, and he's to fulfill his mission that he told God he's going to do. Talk to the Ninevites. Listen to this. You got to catch this. In Jonah 3.3, 3, 
I got, this is just a, you got to know this. Jonah 3.3, 3, Jonah says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Three days' journey in breath. I mean, it took like three days to get through the city. How long was Jonah in the fish? Three days. Oh, so you mean to tell me, by getting comfortable with your mess, you're wasting time. Amen. He could have been, been on this mission before, but he was stuck in the belly for three days. See, some of us, when we get comfortable in our mess, we may be stuck in it for maybe three days, three weeks, three months, three years. I don't know. Don't get comfortable in your mess. That's a waste of time. So Jonah had stepped out, and now he went to deliver the message. Had to tell him they was, had to tell him they was headed for self-destruction. Okay. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, self-destruction, headed for self-destruction. Yeah. Profound song. Okay. Well, had to tell the people they was headed for self-destruction. And just like Mr. Cleve said, they actually listened. What? They believed them? But headed for God said we're headed for destruction, we're gonna be overthrown? Yeah. And so what the people did was they fasted for 40 days. And it wasn't a regular fast. They didn't eat anything, they didn't drink anything. And when the word got to the king, what the king did, he took off his Versace robe <laughs> and they all put on these sackcloths. Wait, what's a sackcloth? Let me tell you about the sackcloth. Because everyone did it. From, from the greatest to the least of them, they put these sackcloths on. And they were, they were commanded to do so and also to cry out to God. To God. But a sackcloth, I didn't know this. It's a, cor a coarsely woven black fabric made of goat's hair. Okay? What, what am I saying? Sackcloth. It's not a meat coat. It's not chinchilla. It's not fox. This thing is goat. It's thick. It's heavy. It's coarse. And they had to wear it. And the king himself, he sat in, he sat in ashes. But everybody did it in the whole city. Even the animals. I don't know why I did with the animals, what they was doing, but they said, look, we, we covering everything. But here's the deal. 40 days, right? This heavy, thick, uncomfortable, coarse fur. And you got to understand the region that they're in. This isn't in Alaska. This is like the North Africa, Middle Eastern area. So the, the temperature's already hot. So I can imagine them wearing this, hot, sweating, crying out to God, not that they couldn't really eat, but they couldn't even taste water, so you can't even drink water. So this was very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable for them. And this is why people don't want to repent or, or hear the gospel, because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. yeah. Things make them uncomfortable. True repentance will make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? People don't want to hear that. So maybe, maybe it's not sackcloth for you. Oh. Maybe for you it's being uncomfortable by changing unhealthy habits. Maybe for you, it's uncomfortable by getting up in the morning, on a Sunday morning, and coming to church, because a lot of people like to sleep in on Sunday morning. It's uncomfortable for them to get up and come to church on Sunday morning. It's uncomfortable for some people to read the Bible. They like to read other stuff. It's uncomfortable for some people to, dare I say this, their tithes and offerings. People get real uncomfortable when they come to their tithes and offerings, to the point where they don't even come to church, because they're like, that's how uncomfortable it may be. It may be uncomfortable for you to pray in tongues, right? It may even be uncomfortable for some folks just to get down on their knees and say, Father God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, 
Fill me up from the Holy Spirit. That's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Not because they got bad knees, but because they're unwilling to submit. It's uncomfortable. Someone asks you this question. What's your comfort level? Is everybody still with me? All right, so those are chapters one, two, and three. This brings us to chapter four now. If your neighbors fall asleep, just... Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's still with me, though. Amen. It's all good. Y'all, y'all all right. <clears throat> so here we go. So Jonah went through all of that, right? Chapter 4. Remember, Jonah's angry and he's frustrated. Let me read this to you. Jonah 4 1. Jonah, okay. But it displeased Jonah. I'm going to read it again. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. <clears throat> Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Let's unpackage this because there's a whole lot going on here. Whole lot. See, Jonah's angry because of the wickedness of the Ninevites and they actually repented. Understand this though. Jonah, the Ninevites were the enemies of Jonah. So what he did was he saved them from their, he helped save them from their destruction. The Bible tells us. Pray for our enemies and those who despitefully use us. Jonah took it one step further. He helped to save the whole, his whole enemies. This anger. Because he didn't want to see, he didn't want to see them saved. He wanted them to, to die. He's like, but they were saved. So he's like, man, these wicked people, my enemies, and I actually helped to save them. And now he's frustrated with God. In chapters two, when he was praying to God, it was out of humility and thanksgiving. Now it's not a complaint. He's complaining because he's, he's, he's actually quoting scripture. What he said was true back in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. He said it's, what he said about God is true, that, that he's a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger. So he's thinking to himself, well, wait a minute. If you're going to save them anyway, what you use me for? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, God, I want these people dead. Like they're evil and wicked. And so, but he so got so frustrated that he was willing to die. And it's just like, ah, I was thinking about this and I was like, wait a minute, we've all been frustrated, so don't judge Jonah. We've all been angry and frustrated, but to the point where you want to die? I, no. I was frustrated not too long ago. <laughs> and now when we was moving, and oh goodness, yeah, when we was moving, we had to get the bed out the bedroom and down the stairs. Had to take the bed apart. Still won't go down the stairs. Took it apart some more. Still won't go down because now we got the angle of the stairs and the wall and the banister, and it was. So I take it apart again, but now I don't have the tools for all these screws. So I was just ready to say, "Man, leave it here." We just I was asleep on the air mattress until we get a new bed. Like, yeah. but my wife she said, "No, no, no, no. You gotta get the bed. I need to be comfortable tonight when I go to sleep." So. But I was frustrated with it. But what, and what I'm trying to say is sometimes you, you become so frustrated with things that you just say, I'm done. I'm done with it. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
So that's where that's where Jonah was. Ready to die. And so let me third point. Getting too comfortable in your feelings can lead to bad decisions. Mm-hmm. See? Instead of wanting to die, he should have been singing some Marvin Sapp. Like, you kept me. Yeah. Something like that. I can't sing, so don't ask me. He could have <laughs> seen you kept me. He could have been singing, never would have made it, something. But no, instead he just tied to, to complain. And shouldn't have done that. And so, look, then, but God, God was the one who kept him alive from, from, from drowning off the ship. He kept him alive from being digested in the fish and from being killed in Nineveh because he was one of his enemies. So here's the thing, though. But God asked him, do you have the right to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Like, you shouldn't be angry. Like, that was God was telling him because what Jonah couldn't see was that he was just as wrong as the Ninevites. You see, he looked at them being wicked and, and violent, but what he did was he disobeyed God and he turned his back to God. So he had some dirt under his fingernails just as well. So God's like, oh, oh you know, you're, you're, why are you angry? You just do your right to be angry. We all understand the, the verse in uh, John 8, 7. He who um, without sin cast the first stone. Jonah, you're mad at the Ninevites, but you're just as bad. Maybe you're not doing the same thing they're doing, but you're still going against God. So God had to check them. Let me continue on. Because Jonah, what actually happened, Jonah started getting, he started getting comfortable with his feelings and everything. That's why he was doing this. Don't get too comfortable in your feelings. We move on. Now we're in chapter, uh, verse 5. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under in the shade till he could, uh, should see what would become of the city. Jonah still wanted these people to die, so he wanted to sit on the side of the city on the outside and be like, look, see, they're about to mess up, about to mess up. That's what he wanted to do. But did you notice something? The first three chapters, Jonah found himself by himself a lot. He was by himself a whole lot. Even in chapter one on the, on the boat, he was by himself because he was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping. And not only that, but when the uh, waves started and the storm started, the people, they was praying to their gods. And then they said, oh, this is not working. Jonah prayed to your God. So they had, he had a different God. So he was by himself on the boat. Mm-hmm. Then he, obviously he was by himself in the fish. And on top of that, he was by himself when he went to Nineveh. Because he was from Israel. He was Hebrew. He wasn't one of them. So I can just imagine him being an outsider coming to Nineveh trying to say, he's just about to be overthrown mm-hmm. by himself. You all, I'm pretty sure you've all been in situations, maybe you have, I have, where I've been to other people's neighborhoods, other people's blocks. They set, they corner, wherever, and being an outsider. And they're like, who is you? You're not, and some places, if you start flapping up with the mouth, it could big problems. So that's what Jonah had to go through. But he was by himself, but he was never alone. Because God was always with him. Hebrews 13 and 5. He will not leave you or forsake you. So whatever you're going through, whatever your situation is, God is always with you. All right, look at this. So this, this um, got to listen to this. So that's what Jonah did. And then verse 5, it says, Jonah made a shelter, right? Look at this. He made a shelter for himself there. Some say it's a booth, shelter. And he sat under it in the shade so he could see what would become of the city. 
Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort or misery. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came out the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Right, I'm going to stop right there real quick. Because I hope that didn't go over your heads. Look, he sat under it in the shade so he could see what would become of the city. Now God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Hold up. I thought he made a, a shelter for himself already with shade. So why did God come along and grow this plant to put him in some shade? I'll tell you why. Because the shade, the, the shelter he um, made for himself wasn't doing the just, doing, doing work, wasn't doing justice. Sometimes in life, we seek comfort in the wrong places. Jonah was seeking comfort in the wrong places. He sat, he sought comfort in this shelter, but it wasn't enough. The only true, um, some of us seek shelter, I mean shelter, some of us seek comfort in different places that's not meant to be. Whether it's alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, it could be something such as a, a trendy cult or a religion. Some of us try to seek comfort in the refrigerator, oh, yeah. relationship to relationship. But I'm trying to tell you, you haven't tried the right thing. You want true comfort? It's in the arms of God. Amen. You want true comfort? Comfort is in the arms of God. That's where true comfort lies. Psalms 119 and 50 tells us, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. And in verse 76, it says, let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. You got to find comfort in God. Okay, this is, this is why Jonah does things that well, sometimes we do. So, all right, follow me on this. Everybody still here? Yes. Okay. All right, here we go. So he continues on. And let me see if this back to this. We do technology here. Okay, here we go. Now look at this. Let me explain this to you. This plant that was caught, once the plant got eaten up by the, what's that thing, by the worm? Mm -hmm. God was trying to show Jonah something. God was trying to show him, and I'm about to get poetic on you. This plant was the city of Nineveh. The worm was the wickedness. So as this worm was eating up the plant, it was like wickedness was eating up the city of Nineveh. Mm -hmm. So God, so this is um, this was God was trying to show Jonah. And it just, he, Jonah didn't, I don't know if he got it right then and there because he was still complaining. And just so once this plant had died off and withered off, Jonah was still sitting on this, up on that hill. God caused a scorching wind to come and beat down on his head. Now, I don't know about you. We have wind chills here in America. They got scorching heat waves over there in that area. This, this is, a, this is a, um, a fact. You can look that up. And I'm just imagining him sitting up on that hill with this scorching heat wind just bearing down on his head. Sort of reminded me of the time where I took my son to his football game. <laughs> and it was all... Uh, Back in September, it was in September, but was, when we left the house, it was like 60 degrees. So I'm like, okay, just put some jeans and a shirt on. We'd be good, you know. By the time we went and sat down at the actual game, man, it must have been about 88 degrees. Remember that? And it was just, and we was in bad seats. We was in the end zone seats. With no cover, no mezzanine, nothing that. 
And those seats was like concrete. And I'm not selling, just beating down on us. So we up there dripping in sweat. Only smart one out of us was Cortez, because he had a hat on. Of course. <laughs> and he, he rolled up his jeans, so they made him shorts out of it. Me and Ephraim up there just dripping wet in the sweat. And it became so uncomfortable, I said, you know what, halftime, we out. Mm-hmm. Now, you all know how much I love football. So for me to get up and be like, yo, we out, you knew it had to be very uncomfortable. So I can just imagine Jonah on this hill with this uncom- unbearable heat wave. And once again, Jonah saying, yo, I'm ready to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, reading this is, it makes you wonder, okay, now you're, you're ready to die now. But in chapter one, when you was on the boat, you wasn't ready to die because you could have jumped off the boat yourself, but instead you had the, the men on the boat throw you off. When you was in the fish, you wasn't ready to die because you cried out to God and prayed, get me up out of here. You see, even in chapter three, you wasn't ready to die. You wouldn't fulfill the mission. You just could have stayed there on that dry land and just been like, I give up, I'm done with it. But no, you did all of that. You finished what God told you to do. And now, because you caught up in your feelings, too comfortable up in your feelings, now you're ready to die. Bad decision making. See, this will, um, God had to explain to him the same. And, and here, look at this. I go to go to verse nine. And God said to Jonah, "Do you do well to be angry for the plant?" And he said, "Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die." And the Lord said, "You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being a night and perished in the night." So Jonah was still angry, and God was trying to explain to him, "Bruh, you didn't grow this plant. You had nothing to do." With you're angry with the plant because it's not shielding you and keeping you safe. But the way you felt pity for it, same way I felt pity on the city of Nineveh. You see? You felt, felt bad for this plant. That's how I felt for Nineveh. That's why I sent you there to save them. What he was trying to convey to note Jonah was God's mercy is for everyone, even your enemies. Yeah. That's what he was trying to get across. But because Jonah was so caught up in his, his feelings, so comfortable being frustrated and being angry, he couldn't see that at the time. So that's why in verse 11, God comes to him and, and God left him with a question. We don't get the answer from Jonah, but God left this question. He said, and should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left and also much cattle. What is God is saying here is, look, listen, verse 11. By obeying what God has called you for, you might not, not know who or how many people you can help save from judgment, mm-hmm. even the animals, right? Look at this, see? Well, uh, point number four, last point. Some things may be uncomfortable that you're called to do. Mm-hmm. You catch that? God called you to do some things that may be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How do you know this? Well, because it was uncomfortable for Jesus to die on the cross. But Jesus went through, first of all, one of his own partners betrayed him. Another one of them just denied him. He got beat down, flesh torn off. He's bleeding. Then he has to go up on the cross, naked, be humiliated, with spikes in his hands and feet, getting mocked at and getting... And, uh, being spit on and all these other things. He went through all of that for us. 
But don't tell me that was a comfortable situation. No. Right? It's not a comfortable situation. Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. And he went through all of that. But when he went through all of that, he's able to save multitudes of people that he never even met, never yeah. even knew, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, snap. Look at what Jonah went through. He actually helped save 120,000 people. That was his enemies he didn't hit. And I'm saying, I'm saying, not saying Jonah is, is Jesus, but Jesus is foreshadowed in there. Uh -huh. Jesus throughout this whole, that's why you can't, listen, y'all can't tell me that the Bible is, isn't real. I know it's real. You can't make this stuff up. This is real. So that's what, this is what happened. This is what, this is what God was trying to convey to him. He's trying to convey to him that he, when he was called to it and he saved on to the people, because life, life is like a, a roller coaster. Of comfort and discomfort. Did y'all know that? Life is a roller coaster of comfort and discomfort. See, when you're um being too comfortable, it can't hinder you. When you're stuck where you where you shouldn't be. But discomfort will move you. So we have to obey what God has called you to do. Lady Courtney spoke about uh hitting to your call and the talents, and even Pastor Brad spoke about it. So God calls you to do something, it may be uncomfortable, but you should do it anyway. If not, you, you see what happened to Jonah, right? Mm -hmm. So let me so remember these four points. Being comfortable with things that go against God will put you in bad situations. Mm -hmm. You need to recognize, remember, reach out, repent, and refuse to give up. Getting too comfortable in your feelings will lead to bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And some things may be uncomfortable that God calls you to do. These are life lessons that you can learn from Jonah. So I just want to ask you a question. What's your comfort level? Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this message. Pray you get the glory out of this word, Father God. We praise you, Father God. We uplift you. I think that your people understood this word, Father God, and they will apply it to their lives. And they will carry it out with them. That this message may be told to other people, Father God. And let us not ever get too comfortable with you, God. You are Father God. And let us not ever call you anything else but Father God as we reach out to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, you might be sitting there wondering, oh, so now, if you're feeling uncomfortable now about what you should do in life, you can actually come to Jesus now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus and you want to come to know Jesus, and if you're watching online, you can receive Christ right now, right where you are. Amen? So if that's you, just raise your hand. Um, we're not going to let you pray alone. Romans 10, 10 lets us know that um, if we believe in our heart and speak with our mouth, you can be saved. So if you want to be saved, repeat after me. Father God, I am a sinner, and I need you, Father. I'll turn from my wicked ways and turn to you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose again and he's coming back I received Jesus and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I'll follow him the rest of my of my life in Jesus name Amen now if you prayed that prayer for the first time you're born again shout hallelujah praise God if you were backslidden, you're, you're born again. And if uh, anyone out there wants a membership here at KLM, we have a number you can call. If you were actually, if you were actually born again,
we'd like you to uh, like to hear from you. You can text 732-324-2200. Let us know you was born again. We'll stay in contact with you. We'll become a member here. The same number will stay in contact with you. If you need any special prayer, we have some ministers that will pray with you. Amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 1854, Perth Amboy, New Jersey 08862. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email. The address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. Until next time, God bless you.